The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has convened a cabinet meeting. It's a signal that a hostage deal with Hamas may be getting ever closer. Ed Baxter has that story and more from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Netanyahu going in says progress has already been made. He says he's hoping for, his words, good news soon. U.S. President Joe Biden says things are moving now. We, uh, we're now very close, very close. Uh, we could bring uh, some of these hostages home very soon. But I don't want to get into, into the details of things because nothing is done until it's done. Now, Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern says it is limited. But this would be for potentially as many as 50 to 100 hostages that were taken by Hamas. We know that's around a number of 240. So this would be 50 to 100, only women and children. It would come with a number of days of a pause, potentially four days of pausing of what is going on in Gaza with these Israeli bombardments. Um, On top of that, it would also mean Palestinian women and children would also be released from Israeli jails. Meanwhile, Israel says it will not mean that Israel will stop rooting out Hamas and trying to eliminate it. Bloomberg's Dan Flatley. Certainly, uh, I think the prime minister is trying to get across there the idea that um, the fighting will continue, that this is not a ceasefire per se, this is a pause. And I think that that is probably important from the Israeli government's perspective because they don't want to give Hamas uh, the indication that they are losing uh, some resolve. So cabinet meeting now, hopefully some good news soon. Pentagon is confirming it conducted an airstrike against Iranian-backed militants operating out of Iraq. Pentagon spokeswoman Sabrina Singh says response to several short-range missile attacks. Immediately following the attack, a U.S. military AC-130 aircraft in the area conducted a self-defense strike against an Iranian-backed militia vehicle and a number of Iranian-backed militia personnel involved in this attack. This self-defense strike resulted in some hostile fatalities. Singh says some U.S. service members were injured in the attack, also conducted three attacks in Syria. North Korea says it has successfully launched a rocket carrying a spy satellite. Two attempts earlier in the year failed. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff say about two hours after launch, there had been no indications it had broken apart. Japan's defense ministry has yet to confirm whether a satellite was actually deployed. U.S. President Joe Biden meeting today with senior administration members to follow up on the gains that he says he was able to accomplish with China and Mexico at APEC regarding fentanyl. But he says much is left to be done. Start by passing my supplemental budget request for national security priorities, including including significant resources to 
help stop the flow of fentanyl into our country, as well as funds to strengthen support services for people struggling with fentanyl impacts. And this also comes on the heels of the DOJ announcement it has broken up a large smuggling operation out of Mexico. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. Let's take a look at some of the top business stories of the hour. After the closing bell, NVIDIA said that sales for the current quarter will be about $20 billion. That topped analyst estimates of $17.9 billion, but some projections had run as high as $21 billion. Investors are really expecting more as they bet on artificial intelligence. We heard from Dan Morgan, senior portfolio manager at Synovus. He says NVIDIA's business in China will be important going forward. We know that NVIDIA generates about 20 to 25 percent of their sales from China. There are two core chips that they sell in AI, uh, which is the H100 and the A100, have Chinese equivalent H800 and A800. We also know they have a slew of new chips coming out that are going to be focused just on the Chinese market that are supposed to meet all these new restrictions. NVIDIA said U.S. curbs on exports to China could have an impact down the road. The company expects sales to China to decline significantly in the fourth quarter. But overall, it says it doesn't matter all that much, Doug, because they they still have too much demand for what they can actually supply at the moment anyway. Now the latest on OpenAI. The startup says it's in intense discussions to unify the company. This comes after most employees threaten to quit if Sam Altman doesn't return as chief executive executive officer. Now we are hearing discussions are happening between Altman and at least one board member, Adam D'Angelo. Here is Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. The fact that Sam is even speaking to Adam D'Angelo is is news. It is complete change from the weekend. We sat there all day Sunday saying, okay, well, Sam's definitely coming back and the board's going to go. That wasn't the case at all. The board was digging in and there was very little communication at all. That is Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. By the way, we hear no imminent leadership decisions are expected as negotiations continue. Brian? Boy, you go out for a cup of coffee and the whole world has changed in this story. (laughs) Well, Binance and its CEO, Zhao Chengpeng, uh, pleaded guilty, that, that CEO pleaded guilty to criminal charges for anti-money anti laundering and U.S. sanctions violations. It included allowing transactions with Hamas and with other terrorist groups. The charges came under a sweeping deal with the U.S. Justice Department that was designed to keep Binance operating. Here's U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland on the charges. Binance has agreed to plead guilty to willfully violating the Bank Secrecy Act knowingly failing to register as a money-transmitting business and willfully violating the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. These laws ensure that our financial institutions are not available to designated terrorist organizations, drug traffickers, and sanctioned nation-states that threaten public safety and our national security. Merrick Garland there. Binance will pay $4.3 billion in fines. The CEO, Changpeng Zhao, also agreed to step down from his post and pay a $50 million fine as part of the settlement. Zhao faces a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison, and his lawyer said in court that sentencing will be delayed by six months. We got uh, minutes from the last Fed meeting today, and they show policymakers united around a strategy to proceed carefully on future rate moves. The minutes also show show officials agreeing to base any further tightening on progress toward their inflation goal. Here's Bloomberg's Michael McKee. 
They did emphasize the need to keep rates higher for longer. They took into consideration where rates had gone and the possible tightening of financial conditions from that, but made it clear they weren't sure that that would continue. And of course, it did not. So it doesn't seem to be a major factor in their continuing ongoing outlook. That is Bloomberg's Michael McKee. By the way, the market has now marked down the chance of any additional rate hikes to nearly zero, and the market is betting the Fed will begin to cut rates as soon as May. By the way, the next Fed meeting is December the 12th. Well, Baidu delivered third quarter revenue gains that were stronger than estimated. Bloomberg's David Inglace has the story from Hong Kong. The Chinese tech company said revenue was $4.8 billion. That was better than expected, but only slightly higher than the previous three months. Spending on the e-commerce platforms during the singles-day shopping extravaganza showed lackluster results. And that adds to investors' worries that the Chinese economy is in danger of deflating. But one bright spot, the company expects its ChatGPT-style Ernie bot to boost ad revenue in the next quarter. Those numbers could lift the top line by hundreds of million of yuan. In Hong Kong, I'm David Inglis, Bloomberg Radio. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Well, we talked a little bit about NVIDIA. Let's bring in Ian King, Bloomberg News, U.S. Semiconductor reporter. So, Ian, help me understand whether I should be you know, happy or slightly disappointed here. Uh, we had sales, which I think is an astonishing number. Sales tripled from the third quarter last year. However, that was a year ago. And if we think about the $18 billion uh, that, they, that they had in sales for the last quarter, and they're only estimating $20 billion for the next quarter, is that still rapid growth or is it slowing down? I, I mean, there's no way you can describe this as, <laughs> as slowing down, particularly relative to even bullish estimates like 95% of analysts recommend buying the stock. You've got target prices over $1,000 and yet the company is still saying, hey, look, we're going to be a billion, two billion dollars better than even you think we are in each quarter. Um, so, uh, you know, directionally, I don't think there's anything wrong here. I mean, you've just got a stock that's gone up 242% over, the, you know, the course of the year, and it's giving back, uh, you know, 1.27% of that in after-hours trading. So I think we should be a little bit balanced in, in how we're viewing this. But that said, clearly investors are on a hair trigger. Clearly they they want better than perfect, and we've seen other tech companies that haven't delivered the goods have been beaten up very you know very heavily in the market so this is kind of symptomatic in a way of that i believe so if there's a threat to the business i think it comes in the form of those u.s curbs on exports to china and nvidia saying that it is now expecting sales to china to decline significantly in q4 i thought there was a workaround here i thought they had a special chip for the china market uh, they did but that's you, you'll remember we had october 
2022, we had the, the big rules that shut down NVIDIA. Then we've had October 2023, where we've had some more rules that have shut down the workaround. And now what we've had today is confirmation that uh, NVIDIA is working on another workaround. And the questioning was, well, hold on a minute. When's this coming? How's this going to help? And the answer was, we're working with companies to try and get licenses. We're working on new solutions that won't trigger these regulations. We can't tell you. What we can tell you is it won't help in the current quarter. And they did admit that the forecast would have been slightly higher if we weren't burdened by the China restrictions. So clearly there is an impact. Clearly at you know, a quarter of their sales, this is something that you have to be concerned about. But it's nothing new. It's nothing that yeah. if you haven't been following this, you would be surprised by. You know, I cover China every day, but to me, it's not that big of a deal because there are a lot of big U.S. tech companies that don't do any business in China. They can't, particularly Internet companies. And additionally, the other angle to this is they already can't meet the existing demand. So it's kind of hard to say that they need more demand from China because there currently are some so many constraints on uh, producing what people are asking for uh, that so be it. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. Um, you know, again, the conversation was like, look, we are working to get more supply. That means that's great news if you TSMC, right, which makes their main product, Samsung, as a secondary sort of supplier. So if you're worried about getting more supply, you're not worried about demand right now. And Jensen Wang, the CEO, said, look, we will continue to grow in data centers into 2025, right? He made it very clear there were all of these poking and prodding questions about how confident are you, where does this go, where is demand coming from? And he, you know, sort of figuratively banged his fist on the table and said, we're very confident about this keeping going until 2025. Ian, I'm going to bring in OpenAI into this conversation only because uh, Bloomberg reporting indicated that uh, Sam Altman was, at the time he was fired, actively working to raise money from some of the world's big investors for a new chip venture. And as we understand it, the aim here was to create a company to go head-to-head with NVIDIA in the market for these AI chips. How easy or difficult would that be? Well, I mean, Sam, if that's what he's working on, um, and let's face it, he should be working on other things as a priority right now, given the (laughs) news flow, um, he needs to take a place in the queue because there are others with a lot more money, a lot more expertise, and a lot further down the line who are ahead of him there. This is absolutely a threat to NVIDIA um, over time and something that we need to keep a focus on. But right now, nobody's even close. Even companies with the resources, the expertise of Intel, of Microsoft, of Amazon, you know, all the money in the world you could want, they can buy all the expertise they can, and yet they're still lining up to pay NVIDIA as much as NVIDIA wants to charge them. Right now, forget about it. Three years' time, when, in theory, a a new startup would have a chip in the market that might be competitive, who knows? But uh, that would be a very long and expensive bet and a very long process. Ian, I heard a number of NVIDIA analysts saying that the data center numbers would be the most important in the actual print, and then there would be more that we could learn in the call. Just um, clue us in on the data center numbers. Uh, Did those come in uh, as expected? It came in. As, as everything did, uh, way ahead of, uh, of what the analysts had been projecting. You know, I mean, this company is making more out of just its data center division than it was as a whole company a couple of years ago. So, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, at a sort of a $14 billion rate, you've got to remember in 2020, 
21 total revenue was only 16 billion from as a whole company uh, the year before that it was a 10 11 billion dollar company so uh, clearly things are doing well and they're beating expectations um, and you know the, the question that they kept getting though was well where are you going to go next you're basically accounting for a massive a portion of AWS and, and Microsoft and, and, and everybody else's spend, how much, how big can you get? And Jensen Wang's answer to that was, well, yeah, great, they're big customers, but we're going to be so, yeah. you know, in others as well. Yeah. All right, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Ian King, Bloomberg News, U.S. Semiconductor Reporter. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.